Let us worship God. from the book of Judges, the fourth chapter, beginning with the first verse. In preparation to hear these words, let us pray. God, source of all light, by your word, you give light to the soul. Pour out upon us the spirit of wisdom and understanding that our hearts and minds may be open to hear your word this day. Amen. The Israelites again did what was offensive to the Holy One, Ehud now being dead. And the Holy One surrendered them to King Jabin of Canaan, who reigned in Hazor. His army commander was Sisera, whose base was Harosheth Goem. The Israelites cried out to the Holy One, for he had 900 iron chariots, and he had oppressed Israel ruthlessly 
for 20 years. Deborah, wife of Lapidoth, was a prophetess. She led Israel at that time. She used to sit under the palm of Deborah between Ramah and Bethel in the hill country of Ephraim, and the Israelites would come to her for decisions. She summoned Barak, son of Abinoam, of Kadesh in Naphtali, and said to him, the Holy One, the God of Israel, has commanded, go, march up to Mount Tabor, and take with you 10,000 men of Naphtali and Zebulun, and I will draw Sisera, Jabin's army commander, with his chariots and his troops toward you up the Wadi Kishon, and I will deliver him into your hands. Hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. Thanks be to God.
A reading from the prophet Zephaniah, the first chapter beginning with the seventh verse. Be silent before the Holy One, my God, for the day of the Holy One is approaching. God has prepared a sacrificial feast and has consecrated those invited. At that time, I will search Jerusalem with lamps, and I will punish the people who rest untroubled on their dregs, those who say to themselves, God will do nothing good or bad. Their wealth will be plundered and their homes laid waste. They shall build houses and not dwell in them, plant vineyards and not drink their wine. The great day of the Holy One is approaching, approaching most swiftly. Hark, the day of the Holy One. It is bitter. There a warrior shrieks. That day shall be a day of wrath, a day of trouble and distress, a day of calamity and desolation, a day of darkness and deep gloom, a day of densest clouds, a day of horn blasts and alarms against the fortified towns and the lofty corner towers. I will bring distress on the people, and they shall walk about without sight because they sinned against the Holy One. Their blood shall be spilled like dust and their marrow like dung. Moreover, their silver and gold shall not avail to save them. On the day of the Holy One, the Holy One's wrath, in the fire of God's passion, the whole land shall be consumed. For God will make a terrible end of all who dwell in the land. Here ends the reading. On a rainy weekend, not unlike this one, we set out into the woods, trusting Father Kathy to lead us across trails hidden by the last leaves of fall. As an Episcopal priest, she had her choice between taking on the title of father or mother. Mother just never felt like me, she said. So Father Kathy, she became. She carried authority as our spiritual guide before we knew of this tradition of titles. Because, as the saying goes, real recognizes real. She was mining her own spiritual depths, and we could see it. And we could feel she trusted it was our work to mine our own. On that rainy day, after walking about a mile, chirping happily, unaware of what was to come, we stopped in front of a crack in a rock wall. And there, Father Kathy put on a helmet and a headlamp and waited as we made sense of our equipment and prepared to enter. One after another, like ants disappearing into the earth, we made our way in, hugging the cold, wet stone. Narrow walls eventually gave way to a hidden room, and the relief of being able to turn and look around grew. In the watery silence, we became almost euphoric 
surprised by a world living within the one we knew. After what seemed like only moments, resting there, suspended in peace, it was time to leave. Only then did it become clear. The way out required that we keep going. Halfway up the chamber wall was a tiny opening, one that appeared too small for any human. But as person after person made it through, the one who followed believed they would get through it too. When we emerged into the shocking light of day, back into the world we once knew, we were revitalized, fresh-faced, transformed. She didn't do a lot of talking about why she led us into the cave. But when creating a retreat for college students, not yet worn down by the world, this is the spiritual practice she believed was important for us to do. Our readings this week are heavy. It's not difficult to feel stuck between narrow walls when looking for the light. Zephaniah promises a terrible end for all who dwell in the land and for the earth completely. And though you wouldn't know it by only reading our few verses about Deborah, the book of Judges is pretty bleak, too. It tells of a repeating cycle in story after story. The people turn away from God, worshiping other gods, and God becomes angry and abandons them in return. This separation results in severe suffering, and after years of enduring what is perceived as divine punishment, the people cry out. God responds by raising up a leader who brings the people into a temporary period of peace. And when the leader dies, the cycle begins again, back into separation, suffering, and temporary peace, over and over again. Deborah is the fourth judge or leader of 12. Though there is general agreement that the stories don't reflect historical events, for some reason, the people decided this was an important cultural inheritance to memorize and orally pass on from generation to generation to those in exile and to those who returned. And I found myself asking, why? What is the gift worth inheriting? A wise person once told me that after spending many years sharing his life stories, a friend who had been listening decided to draw a picture of what they heard. And on a piece of paper, they drew a horizontal line. This, his friend said, is when life is going well. Your job is going well. Things are secure. And then, 
and the friend begins scribbling a big mess. Somehow you hit this point where everything gets tipped into chaos. And then there's this shift in your life. And you find stability and clarity, and there's growth. And then another period comes again, and boom, you're back in the chaos again. And the friend said, this is the cycle of human life. You go through variations in chaos and variations in stability, clarity, and growth. And the wise person was grateful. It was as if he was seeing his life for the first time. Reflecting on it, he said, we can do a lot of lesson learning in the chaos. And I learned I could build my tolerance for it. When I'm in it, I can say, oh, I'm in the chaos. And I don't have to be overtaken by it or assume there's just something wrong with me. You know, he said, the chaos might look different each time it appears, but there tend to be reoccurring themes that hook us. The problem, he said, is I have a built-in forgetter. So even though I've learned something and feel like I've fully taken it on board, there's no guarantee I'll remember it the next time. So it's helpful to hear it again, to hear it reflected back in another story, to be able to say, oh, I know that one. There it is again. And one more time to be free. Maybe the people of God understood this. Maybe they knew the importance of the gift, whether suffering in exile or newly rebuilding a nation from rubble. Maybe they knew the gift of being given a basket of stories that reflect a familiar pattern so they can recognize where they are. Stories that say others have been here before. This is a cave we know. Stories that become a map, helping them find their way. We're feeling separated from God. Oh, we're in that again. We're worshiping gods that aren't going to serve us. It's happening again, but it looks like this, this time. We have a leader, and we think we're going to be secure forever. What is the way to enduring peace? Maybe the pattern, often invisible to us even as we live it, becomes the wisdom, the cultural inheritance worth repeating so we can see ourselves and find the peace we're looking for. In the book of Judges, the people long for peace. And in the end, after all the judges, they believe the answer must be a king. A king will finally realize enduring peace. But when we get to Zephaniah, that prophet whose name means hidden. 
The kings didn't work out either. Shortly after the lauded Josiah, the last kingdom falls. Even a king doesn't solve the problem of peace. If the people of God have a built-in forgetter, in this story, the lesson they keep forgetting is that peace comes when we care for the well-being of one another. We know this, and we forget it. As the story goes, all the people did what was right in their own eyes, without care for the common good. And so we find ourselves in separation once more, with the words, the Israelites did what was offensive to God, Ahud, now being dead. Ahud, the judge who preceded Deborah. Ahud, whose name means united or unity. Right there in the first line, the cycle begins again when unity dies. And so, the way out is revealed. I like to imagine the people who decided these were the stories that were important to remember shared a kindred spirit with Father Kathy. That they trusted that we would find wisdom by mining the patterns of our lives. And that those who have gone before us, like them, we would find our way through. There is a way of teaching that can feel condescending. A person could say, we're going into this cave so you can experience what it's like to be reborn. And it would become limited, flattened. Or you could let the experience be the teaching. You could take someone to a cave without interpretation. You could let them navigate the challenges and the darkness and the inability to fully see and the sharp edges of the walls and the not knowing how they're going to come through it and then allow it to be their own. A story that becomes a living metaphor, a hidden room to accompany them, chirping happily through the golden paths and holding peace in the dark.
As we continue now with the prayer chants, you are invited in the silence of your hearts to offer your prayers of intercession and supplication, those prayers for the world, for those you love, and for yourself to be given to God. Sight. The deepest light is clear as the day. 
Let us pray. Holy One, you have fed us in song, in silence, in community, and in story. And for that, we give you our thanks and our praise. Amen. Go forth and remember what you forgot. Let your peace come as you care for one another. And may the grace of God who created you in love, the peace of Christ who teaches it is possible to be love, and the power of the Spirit who calls you ever forward into new experiences of love, be and abide with you this day, this week, and evermore. Amen. Thank you.